Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Lawrence was recorded on March 24th, 2022. This is Lawrence, and I am an adult child. I, uh, I, had, to, uh, I had to agree to the recording, and I couldn't figure out how to do it at first, so. I'm still learning, and uh, I will be learning until they put me in my grave. There's no doubt about it. First and foremost, I want to—I really want to thank Gretchen for uh, asking me to share here. Uh, as a matter of fact, she she asked me about uh, eight weeks ago if I would share on this, and uh, I told her it was only contingent on the simple fact of getting my tooth in the front. Um, I just got my new tooth in the front that I've been waiting for for two and a half months. Uh, it's an implant, and uh, everyone started calling me Alfred E. Newman, and I says I wouldn't share until Lawrence was there. So here I am. I just got my tooth in on Tuesday, and uh, I'm uh, really uh, glad for that. Um, uh, you know, uh, I... First and foremost, whatever I say today is probably just just going to come out. It, it's um, you know, I've had uh, I'm I'm going to be turning 65 in May, and uh, so there's 65 years of of living here, and uh, um, it, it's uh, it's a long process. But uh, I think what I'm going to do this evening, if people don't mind, is I'm going to blow through my life real quick as far as a chronological. Um, uh, chronological living, and then I'll then I'll back it up. So, um, I, I was born in Binghamton, New York. Um, I was born. Uh, I have three siblings, three sisters. Uh, um, I uh, my mom had gotten divorced when I was about three years old. Uh, so, uh, and she didn't remarry until I was about seven. So, um, my earliest recollections of my life. Uh, it, at that point, were very, very small. Uh, even when I came into recovery, I really didn't have an understanding of anything before I was seven years old. A um, couple of highlights, but very little. Uh, there was one um, traumatic experience when I was three years old that uh, I can backtrack on afterwards. But uh, um, so we, so we lived in, uh, of course. Uh, single mom raising four four children. Um, we I lived uh, at a near a shoe mill uh, right at the railroad tracks, and uh, most of my uh, most of my family my uh, 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 family of uh, origin or whatever uh, worked for IBM in um, um, in uh, in that area, the Tri County area. Uh, so right out of the gate, you know, our family felt like uh, uh, we were the paupers of the family. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it didn't bother me, though. Um, I, I, uh, I fit right in on the streets right out of the gate. And uh, uh, we played a lot of uh, baseball on the street. We did a lot of uh, running around at the railroad tracks and just making, you know, just like what a boy does. There's no doubt about it. Um, 
But uh, my stepdad came into my picture when I was seven years old. He moved us over to another portion of the Tri-City area. It's uh, Endicott, Endwell. Uh, it's, it's a, it was a big shoe manufacturing area at the time. And, of course, IBM being there also. Um, so when we, moved, uh, when we moved to Endicott or whatever, um, pretty much everything, everything went just as, you know, there's, there's nothing really to report. Uh, but when I turned, uh, when I was seven years old, uh, for some reason, the family decided to move to Connecticut. And uh, um, my mom had gotten married. I don't even know if she was married when we moved to Connecticut or if or if they were engaged or who knows, you know, I come from a generation that didn't talk about anything. You know, I knew very little about the family and at seven years old, I really didn't care about anything else. You know, it was just being a kid and that was it. You know, uh, anyways, we moved to Connecticut and we moved into the Norwich to London area of Connecticut. Um, and uh, by that time I was in third grade. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, just about the time that we moved to Connecticut, I don't know if it was a visit back home or if it was as we were moving, we went through uh, when Woodstock was taking place in 68 or 69, I think it's 69. Um, and the only thing I remember is I remember this guy hanging out of a sunroof of a Volkswagen bus and the traffic was just enormous on the highway and we couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, here we are moving to Connecticut and this, this, just this big, huge thing going on. Well, we got, we got to Connecticut. We found out on the nightly news that Woodstock was taking place, you know, but uh, um, you know, a few years later, I, I wish I was old enough at the time to go to Woodstock because I turned into a, a a rock and roll freak uh, as I grew older or whatever. But um, anyways, uh, it wasn't until uh, in, it wasn't until we moved to Connecticut when I when we started to experience the whole alcoholism. Um, my stepdad uh, was a full blown alcoholic. Uh, he was on his third marriage. My mom's on her on her second marriage. Um, and uh, and, and, you know, it wasn't drastic when we first moved to Connecticut. There wasn't any big things going on. But as the, as the one, two, three years went on, the progression of his alcoholism, or the way I see it, he was probably doing a good job hiding it at the time, you know, newly married, and he's going to do something different this time, or whatever the case may be, I'm not sure. But um um, that's when alcohol became uh, part of uh, alcoholism became part of my living, you know, um, uh, you know, it started out where he couldn't hold the job down to save his life. And every time he turned around, he was, uh, he'd get drunk, uh, yelling and screaming would take place and all of that stuff, you know? So, um, so we moved over to another area in the Norwich area and it was right in the hood. Uh, it was the hood of Norwich as I know it. Um, and guess what? I fit in. Uh, I was, I was always, I really didn't, I was one of those that just liked to play outside. You know, I was just very active outside. Um, I enjoyed sports. Um, I enjoyed being alone, investigating things. 
we had a fish market right next to us and I'd go behind where they had all the crates and everything else back there. And I'm busting up crates and, you know, I was just always doing something, you know, but for the most part, I was doing it alone. Um, and, uh, from that point there, uh, um, my mom and my stepdad bought a home and that it was in Lisbon, Connecticut, which was very country. Um, at that point in time, um, you know, and I, it's kind of important for me because I had a street, I had a street education, a street upbringing, like a city education, how to be on the streets and how to take care of myself on the streets. Then we went to the country and all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm in the country world, you know, the country bumpkin world where, you know, believe it or not, there was there wasn't even any black uh, uh, black people in Lisbon. Um, one of my best friends, uh, his dad took us for a ride down in uh, the Norwich area. And he was like he was like over the top excited because it was the first time he had ever seen a black person. That's you know, that's my upbringing, you know, and that was like. Uh, the very late 60s, early 70s. Um, after that, um, when we moved to Lisbon, it was like we moved to hell. That's when everything went haywire for some reason. Um, that's when my, my stepdad's drinking got out of control. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that being in the country, he always drank at home. And so and and the other piece to that was i think he was comfortable enough to say well you know he's gonna let the gorilla out and he let the gorilla out my stepdad was a full-blown alcoholic that was a raging alcoholic he uh a lot of physical abuse a lot of sex um uh verbal abuse um a lot of shaming all of those pieces you know and and the household was a battle um, most, most times he couldn't hold the job down. He was going from job to job or didn't work at all. Um, one of the hardest parts of living in those few years was the dinner table, the dinner table, the four, the, the, the four, us four kids would sit there with my mom. My stepdad would sit there with us, would not eat, but he had his beer there. And the, the best thing you could possibly do was to keep your head low, just to not be the target of the evening. Um, so uh, um, I, for the most part, was not the target of, of his uh, abuse. Most of it fell on my mom and my three sisters. Uh, he had a real disdain for women. There was no doubt about it. And he, he made sure they knew how, how um, uh, less than average they were, that they were nothing. They were here to take care of a man and all of that. And um, so being the only boy, of course, at a very early age, I thought that I was supposed to protect my sisters and I was supposed to take care of my mom. And I couldn't do that. I was too small a kid to take care of a man that was 250 pounds, six, two or so, a big man. He scared the ever loving shit out of me. Um, so moving through that anyways, there was that total insanity. I left home after I had had enough. 
um, at, I was just, I think I had just turned 17 years old. Uh, when I left home, I got my own apartment and it was in my third year of, uh, just at the end of my third uh, year of high school. So my last year of high school, I had my own apartment. It was a quarter mile from the high school. The high school I went to had had 3,200 kids in it. It was a huge high school. My graduating class was like 934 graduates. So it was a, here I am, this country boy going back into this massive, and, and at that time, there was a lot of unrest in the world with discrimination and everything that was going on in the world. Well, between my second and third year of high school, after my second year of high school, I was on course to go to Coast Guard Academy. I had high honors in school. At the end of my second year, I, I started smoking pot. And that set the course for the rest of my life because that was the gateway that opened up to alcohol and all forms of drugs. I'm, a, I'm an honor student. I go into my third year of high school. I missed 53 days of school in my third year. I was like a light switch went off. It was like two different people, you know? So after my third year, I had had enough at the house. I moved out. I got my own apartment. Now my, my apartment, all by myself, um, I a quarter mile from the high school and we were partiers. So you can only imagine what happened in that apartment. Um, how I ever graduated high school is beyond me. Um, but at that time, um, when I was 17, I met my high school sweetheart. She was another in, in the rear view mirror. She was an adult child we fell in love or so we thought it was love um you know and i'm i look at it now and it's a it's a lot different but she took me i she was the first person that made me feel wanted and i i did the same for her anyways because of the partying and everything um she broke up with me because i was partying too much and when i say partying i'm talking about drinking drugging, acid, mescaline, everything. I was just a garbage head. Uh, anyway, she broke up with me and then she uh, asked me to come over one night, um, one day. And uh, I says, yeah, come on over. And I thought, you know, she was going to try to get back together. She says, on one condition that you're not drinking and drugging. I says, yeah, no problem. She knocks on the door at five o'clock in the afternoon and I'm blasted. I'm just gone. Never said a word again, turned around and, and she just left. She never said a word to me. And I went about doing what I was doing. Well, come to find out, uh, it was probably seven months later, uh, my son was born. I did not know my son. I did not know she was pregnant. Um, and uh, so my son was born. Uh, a few months after that, we got married. Uh, I felt like it was the right thing to do. And a few months after that, I had my stag. Now there should have been something, there should have been a sign that said something's not right here. You know, <laughs> my whole life is backwards at that point in time. 
anyways, in the interim, I, I uh, started working full time and I was making I was making really good money out of high school. Uh, at that point, you really didn't need a college degree. I was working in the retail world. Uh, I pursued that for 38 years before. So my 38 year career in supermarket retail started when I was 16. I was a part timer for two years. The year my son was born, I became full time. So I was able to provide for a family. Um, so through that, of course, the marriage wasn't it wasn't good in the beginning because all my friends are single. I want to party, can't party. Now I'm a father. Now I'm now I'm a you know, I'm I'm raising a family, but I couldn't pull away from my friends. The only friends I knew were the ones that were drinking and drugging. Uh, anyways, my wife uh, got tired of that. She she took my son and they went down to Wheeling, West Virginia, where her family was. Um, and uh, a few months later, she uh, gave me an ultimatum. Uh, and the ultimatum was uh, she'd be willing to come back if I came down to get her and my son, Michael. And uh, I needed to put drugs and alcohol down. And uh, and I I agreed to that. And we I brought her back. And I got to tell you, for the next uh, six years of our marriage, it was bliss. Uh, it was a beautiful marriage. Uh, uh, the only the only thing was I didn't realize was that now I switched addictions. I went to from alcohol and, and drugs to success. And I was on the success wagon and I was going up the corporate ladder in the business that I was in. And I would work and I'd work and I'd work. You know, I had my own home built when I was 21. Um, by the time I was 20, uh, 23, uh, uh, my daughter was born. We had a home, didn't have the picket fence, but we actually had two cars. You know, they were both 69s, but they were two cars, you know. Um, and so by time I by time I turned 25, I had arrived, you know. I was making good money. Uh, we were doing very well. After the kids all that when both kids went into school full time, she got a full time job. And um, bottom line is, is we took our eye off the ball. We forgot what the marriage was about. You know, she was she was trying to build a career. I was building a career. I was never at home. But I come from an era where when dad worked, when he came home, he got his newspaper handed to him. And that was it. You know, so. Um, uh, that was his job was finished. Now I'm in the new age where men come home and they're supposed to help out with the kids. And, and I didn't want to look like a bad guy, but I'm kicking and screaming. I'm saying to myself, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. I've worked 60 hours and you're still asking me to stay with the kids or, or take them here or this and that. Anyways, I started going out on binges, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'd take it till I couldn't take it anymore. And then I would come up with, you know, and, and here's, I'm one of those. I told my, I told my wife that I needed to go down to the store for a gallon of milk. And I came home three days later. That was the type of drinking and drugging I did. By that time I was, uh, doing, uh, uh, doing a lot of stuff anyways. Uh, uh, the marriage, we separated a couple of times. We I tried to go back a couple of times. Uh, it just wasn't working out. I didn't give it very much of a college try because I came home with my boxes of goods and I never unpacked them. 
Um, here's, here's where a trait came in very well for me because I was very, um, uh, perfectionistic, you know, so I put, I put a number on the boxes and then I listed where everything was. So I lived out of the boxes real easy. I didn't have to, I didn't have to unpack them, you know? So anyways, the, the marriage finally came to an end. Uh, the marriage lasted about 10 years and, uh, and of course I'm divorced. I'm a weekend dad now, and I'm off and running. Uh, the divorce caused a lot of problems. Uh, alcoholism caused a lot of problems in our life. Um, after, after seeing it in hindsight, I, when we divorced, I hated that woman. She hated me. Um, after I got into recovery, I realized it wasn't me and it wasn't her. It was the disease of alcoholism that we were up against. And that was the thing that tore us apart. Um, anyways, um, uh, a year after we divorced, year and a half after we divorced, I hit my bottom. I was 31 years old and I wanted to die. I made it into treatment and I started the road to recovery and, and because of my alcoholism and addiction. Up until that point, I lived my life on self-reliance. I walked away from God at a very early age. I thought if I live by the golden rule, do unto others as you would have done unto you that life would be handed to me and that worked for a while but i never had a spiritual support to fall back on and my what i thought was self-reliance was the farthest thing from it i became alcohol and drug reliant Everything I did revolved around alcohol and drugs. And anytime things got too difficult, I was off and running. When I was doing it, I thought I was partying. I thought I was just having a good time. But that's exactly what was going on. Um, when I left home at 17, I thought I left the dysfunction of that family behind. And it wasn't until I was 30, 31, when I became the alcoholic, that I realized that I dragged that dysfunction right into my life. The bundle got passed to me as a kid, and I ran with it, not even knowing I had it in my hands. Um, everything that that laundry list traits is, is that, was, that was the eye opener for me. Um, my first meeting of ACA, it blew my mind. Now, when the first meeting that I was in in ACA, I was already about, I was already about a year sober in AA, and I was working a real strict program. So I was, I, I had already been involved in the steps. I had already been involved in recovery. My sister uh, uh, disclosed herself as an alcoholic. And she just wasn't comfortable in AA meetings. So I told her that I heard of something called ACOA. And that was back in 89. So I brought her to ACOA thinking that that might be something that works for. Her. And I sat there and the laundry list tra traits was read. Now, at that point, there was no literature out there. This stuff was handwritten on pieces of paper that were all 
I mean, there was very little literature for ACA at that time or ACOA. But when that laundry list came out, it just, it, it rocked me. Uh, right behind being introduced to the, the laundry list traits, a few years later, I was introduced, I went to a, uh, the movies with a, my girlfriend. Um, and it was my live-in girlfriend at the time. It was my first relationship in sobriety. She says, let's go out to the movies. And I says, okay, let's go out to the movies. We went to go see Prince of Tides. And Prince of Tides had Nick Nolte in it and uh, Barbara Streisand. And the dad in the movie was my stepfather. I went to that movie thinking we're having a good time. And I, I had a traumatic, ex it was my family life all over again. And it rocked me to the core. Um, that was the, that was when I got in touch with Zeke. Zeke is my inner kid. My anniversary date for ACA is at that time in 18, 1989, when I got in touch with my inner kid. Some other people use it when they first go into meetings or whatever, but that's the one I use for an anniversary date. Zeke was angry. Zeke was, was a defiant little teenager that, that hated the world, that hated showing up for anything. Um, and and man, it, 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 the movie just rocked. I, I actually shook when I left that, seeing that movie. Anyways, that was my beginning journey of uh, getting in touch with Zeke. Um, as I look through my recovery right now, and, and I'm, the reason why I say it is because I'm working, um, I'm working with a, a, a gentleman from Texas on the phone once a week on the loving parent guidebook. And we're having a fabulous experience with it. one-on-one uh, -on -one. about 10 years ago, I took him through the steps. Now this is a, a ACA fellow traveler that I've never met but he's like my brother because of the fact that we spent so much time working through the steps. It took us about a year and a half to work through the steps. One-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Um, I got to tell you that it was the longest fifth step I ever heard. Thank God for earbuds because I could have never held the telephone up to my ear for, it was five and a half hours. And the amazing thing about it was the battery on my phone never died. I, I had never seen it go for five and a half hours without um, dying and having to charge it or whatever. So there was something going on that night. There's no doubt about it. Anyways, uh, about a year ago, uh, he, uh, we, he got in touch with me again because he fell off the wagon for ACA. He stopped going to ACA he stopped going to 12-step meetings, and all of a sudden, I get a phone call, and he's all tangled up. It, it's almost like the first day that I met him before we did the steps, and that was because he took his eye off the ball, and 
allowed that material world to get back in his life and not pay attention to taking care of what's important and that he's what's important. Anyways, it's been a few months now. Uh, he's feeling great again. He's getting some big pieces out of this loving parent guidebook. But through a natural process for me, I seem to have started my recovery unconsciously, not knowing I was doing it, but I started building a relationship with my creator, my higher power, God. Uh, I started out with a childhood God. It, it morphed into a loving and caring God. Um, it's even further than that. My spiritual belief system around a, a higher power is is just keeps growing and keeps renewing and keeps morphing into something I never would have expected. Uh, my creator, I really believe if my creator came down right now, looked at me right in the face, I wouldn't even recognize. I believe a creator is energy. I believe my creator is love, the energy of love. And it's all around us. Um, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have said that years in the past. Um, the closest thing I can I can say to anyone that uh, if I had to put a religion on my on the plate for me, it's Tao. Um, I believe in natural law and order, and I believe in love, and I believe the 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 power of love or the energy of love is stronger than fear. It is stronger than hate. It is, when tapped into, can carry me through anything. And in, I've been in recovery 33 years now. Um, so my story in recovery is a long story. Uh, it is based in the steps. Um, I grabbed the hold of the steps and the basis of my recovery is continuing to work the steps or understand the steps with someone else. It is the gifting of those steps. Some people say they go in for checkups, they do another fourth step, another fifth step. For myself, I did one formal fourth step, one formal fifth step, and I have never done another one. But every time I take someone through the steps, I am redoing my own. I am coming into blind spots I never knew were there. My recovery today, I can't explain what ACA does quite often for me. I just continue to come, suit up and show up. I am finding pieces of the puzzle that I never knew existed. And it continues to give me a freedom that I never knew was possible. When I say today that I am free to be made, it is the most incredible experience. I never knew I could be as free as I am today. Um, and uh, I know it can get bigger because it, it, it just, it hasn't stopped. I, if there's anyone here, that, and I hope, I can only hope that if 
there was a message that I could convey, the message of hope that anything is possible if you stay the course and pay attention to self because you are enough. You're whole. You are the cake. There's not a single thing that needs to be added to the cake. If a relationship comes and the relationship is it comes into your life, that's just icing. That's just the icing on the cake. But the cake tastes great all in and of itself. It is such a beautiful thing to come to that place. And, you know, like I say, I've, I've had 65 years of experience. I'm not going to do that in a half hour. And I'm going to end right now. Thank you.